you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to three different verses of Scripture this morning. They're not found in the same place. The first one is found in Acts chapter number 11, verse number 26. Acts chapter 11, verse number 26. And when he had found him, that is, when Barnabas found Paul, he brought him unto Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. In the same book of Acts, chapter number 26, please turn there, Acts chapter 26. Acts chapter number 26, verse number 28. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. The other one is found over toward the book of Revelation, found in 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter number 4, verse number 16. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse number 16. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. I want to speak this morning on a question, what is a Christian? What is a Christian? There's a great deal of confusion and misunderstanding about who and what a Christian is. Some wear the title but know nothing of its means. I ask you a question today. Are you a Christian? Are you a Christian? If you say no, then I would respond with why not? If you say yes, I would like to respond by saying what makes you so sure. I heard this statement from a preacher many, many years ago, and I've never forgotten it. It sticks with me, and I think of it from time to time. If you were put on trial for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? When I was 16 years of age, living in Roxborough, North Carolina, with my parents and with my brother... On Saturday night, the Front Street Baptist Church in Roxborough, which was located within a stone's throw of the back end of our house, my dad sold the church that property, so they built a church right there. Every Saturday night, my mother would invite people into the home, and they would have a hymn sing. People would bring their hymns books. 
And we would sing for about two hours on Saturday night. My mother would play the piano and people would sing. Sometimes we were invited to other homes. It was something we looked forward to every Saturday night, just getting together and singing with God's people the blessed songs. We had a preacher who had just begun to preach a meeting in the church. And he attended that night's singing. And my mother introduced him to me. She said, Danny, this is Charles Stevens. Brother Stevens, this is my son, Danny. He opened his mouth, looked at me, and asked a question, Danny, are you a Christian? Are you a Christian? (laughs) I didn't know how to answer that. I just didn't know how to answer it. I wound up telling him I finally attended some of the services at First Baptist Church in Roxborough, as close as I could get to it. You know, if you and I had walked up to anybody in Antioch 2,000 years ago and asked them a question, Sir, Madam, are you a Christian? They would very clearly answer either yes or no. They would never have said, well, I hope so. They would never have said, well, I'm doing the best I can. They never would have said, well, I've tried to turn over a new leaf for my life. In Antioch, if you ask the question, are you a Christian? The person would be clearly answering this way, yes, I am, or no, I'm not. Because everybody in Antioch knew who the Christians were. Some believe being a Christian is determined by their moral behavior. They really believe that. That if you can somehow upscale one's moral life, he can be a Christian because of that. Some feel that because they read the Bible occasionally and they offer grace at mealtime, they're not thugs, (laughs) they're not murderers, they're not adulterers, so they must be Christians. Some believe being a Christian is determined by one's nationality. The predominant religion in America is the Christian religion, and that includes the Catholics. Thus, one born in America must be a Christian. Some believe that being a Christian is determined by one's inheritance. If daddy and mother were Christians, then that's kind of passed on to the children as well. I guess they're accepted by proxy. I don't know. They sometimes say, well, I was, I've always been raised a Christian. Nobody's always been raised a Christian. Some believe being a Christian is determined by believing in God. I do believe that there is a God. I believe He is the maker of all things. I believe He's the divine architect. And if one believes in the existence of God, he's not an atheist. So he must be a Christian. The Lord Jesus Christ pointed out the fallacy of such thinking when he said in John 14, verse 1, You believe in God, believe also in me. 
so we can see there's a great confusion about my subject today. What is a Christian? I'll try to answer that in the message this morning. I've given you three texts. I want us to explain these three texts. I have used these three different places in Scripture. Each one contains the term Christian. As a matter of fact, there are only three places in your Bible where the word Christian is used, and you read all three of them this morning. And I believe studying these three will improve our understanding on who a Christian is. The first one we gave you was Acts chapter 11, verse 26. Again, it says this, When he, that is Barnabas, had found Paul, he brought him unto Antioch, and it came to pass that a whole year, and I emphasize that, not just on Sunday, but I mean a whole year, they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people, and the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. This is the first place Christian is used in your Bible. There are several rules called hermeneutics. Homiletics has to do with sermon preparation. Hermeneutics has to do with scripture interpretation. And there are some rules in hermeneutics that help the believer and the Bible student to understand his Bible better. For instance, there's a rule of first mention. That if you can find where a term is mentioned the first time in the Bible, it will give you a pretty good idea of how that term is going to be used throughout the Bible. And this is the first place in the Bible where the word Christian is mentioned. Question, where were they called Christians? In the church at Antioch. It's amazing that church and Christianity go together. You cannot divorce a Christian from church. And you cannot divorce a church from being a Christian, Christians and church go together. Why were they called Christians? The word Christian means a follower of Jesus Christ. These people in Antioch were deserved and also observed as a people who lived like the Lord Jesus. They walked like the Lord Jesus. They loved like the Lord Jesus. And they behaved like the Lord Jesus Christ. They used the word Christian because they observed that they were followers of Jesus Christ. A person who is not a follower of Jesus Christ ain't no Christian. Regardless of how much he may like to think he is, or say that he is, or profess that he is, he is a follower of Jesus Christ. Who gave them this name Christian? Well, unlike 
many churches today, we like to give ourselves a name, don't we? We're going to have a church, we organize a church, we give our church a name. No, this church got a different name, and it came from a different group of people. The people, the unsaved people of the town, gave them the name of Christian. The church did not name itself. It was a heathen world who gave them this title to explain their different behavior. They noticed that these people in Antioch, assembling with the church were different. Something about them that was unique and different. They were not just like everybody else. They were different. And so they were called Christians first at Antioch. The second place the reference is used is Acts 26, verse 28. And Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost. Thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Now, one thing that's very obvious in that statement is Agrippa knew he wasn't one. It's hard to find anybody today that isn't a Christian. I mean, everybody's a Christian. It doesn't make any difference whether they go to church, whether they lie, cheat, steal. It doesn't make any difference. Everybody's a Christian. But Agrippa knew he wasn't one when he said, Almost thou persuadest me to become a Christian. Agrippa knew that a Christian is something that one becomes. It is not that he's always been that way, but it's something that one becomes. You know that chapter 26 that has that reference in it. Paul was brought before King Agrippa. He wanted to see Caesar, but you had to go up the ladder to become qualified to see Caesar. So Agrippa was one of the peons under the certain jurisdiction of of land there. And Paul was brought before Agrippa. And Agrippa asked Paul, he said, if you have anything to say, say it now. I want to hear what your your, your plea is. And Paul says to Agrippa, at midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun shining round about me and them which journeyed with me. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I'm Jesus whom thou persecutest. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose to make thee a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen and of those things in the which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them that are sanctified by faith. And when Agrippa heard that, his response was, Paul, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. 
No one is physically born a Christian. No one is physically born a Christian. It is something that takes place in time. No one can say that they've been a Christian all of their life. It's something that happens to an individual. It involves a time and it involves a place. It involves the fact that Paul was saved on a roadside. He knew that. When you ask him about it, he told you where the Lord saved him. Zacchaeus was saved up in a treetop. He knew when he became a Christian. The Philippian jailer was saved in jail. And Lydia was saved on the bank of a river. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been to the grocery store before? Now carefully, think about that. You say, well, Brother Cozart, I want to tell you the truth. Just exactly what do you mean when you say, have I ever been to the grocery store? I mean, have you ever been to the grocery store before? You said, that's the dumbest thing. I go to the grocery store all the time. Then you would have to say, yes, I've been there. How do you know you went to the grocery store? Because you did. It's something that occurred in your life and you did it and you know you did it. Just with that much dogmatism, you can say, I know I've been to Calvary. And I know I've come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior. Not everybody is converted or saved in the same place. But all are saved by the grace of God, and it happens in an individual's life. And if there is no place and there is no time, I would seriously consider it never had happened. We are aware of what goes on around us. You become a Christian on purpose, not by accident. It's not like osmosis. It's not that it just drifts into you from the Scripture totally unmotivated by anybody or anything. It's something that actually takes place in your life. And may I say unto you, when it takes place in your life, you never, never, never will forget it as long as you live. Becoming a Christian. Agrippa knew that Christianity is something that one becomes. And then the third one was 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 16. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, if he suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. There's something about being a Christian that draws fire from other people. If you really are a Christian. Nero wanted to set fire to some human beings. And you know who he chose to do? The Christians. The Roman Empire hated the Christians. Paul was hated by the Jews. But not until he became a Christian. He was high on the total podium of acceptance. And people looked up to him with the greatest respect until 
he became a Christian. And when he became a Christian, thumbs down, the Jews tried to kill him on every hand and thought they had accomplished it time after time. There's something about being a Christian that draws fire from other people. Do you know what that something is? It is the association and relationship with a person by the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Christ said they didn't like me, and they're not going to like you. Being a Christian draws fire. When one suffers because he is a Christian, God is pleased, and God is glorified. That word suffer, when one suffers because he is a Christian, suffer meaning to discriminate against as a thief or a murderer. It means to be insulted. Christianity has never been a name of high exaltation that people look for to be associated with. No, my dear friends, that's the last thing in the world. If you're looking to be promoted, you don't ever become a Christian. I said, if you ever intend to be accepted by the Lord. The only way you can be is by being a Christian. But don't do it because you think people are going to just be knocked off their feet. Oh, he became a Christian. Isn't that wonderful? He's a Christian. How many Christians are called goody-two-shoes? Because they don't do the rotten things that the world does. Or hypocrite. You ever heard that before? Oh, the reason I don't go to church because lots of hypocrites in the church. I tell you, there's more hypocrites outside the church than in the church. Won't you get out of the world, mister? Go burn yourself. Now, the amplification from these three examples that I've given you, these three texts. A Christian is a believer who has been regenerated by the Holy Spirit. If that has never happened, you cannot be a Christian apart from that. I just so detest this idea. Once in a while, somebody will come along and say, I'm one of those born-again Christians. I didn't know there's but one kind. If you're not born again, you're not a Christian. All Christians are born again. A Christian is a believer who's been regenerated by the Holy Spirit. Let me read to you about a conversation that took place with Jesus Christ and Nicodemus. Jesus answered and said unto him, that is to Nicodemus, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. He said that to a man named Nicodemus, a man of great standing in religion. He had much knowledge and great respect, but Nicodemus was not a Christian. He had never been born again of the Holy Spirit of God. And the new birth... And the regeneration that happens when a man's born again is not because of something he has done. He'll do nothing to please the Lord until he has been born again by the Holy Spirit of God. He'll never have faith in Christ. He'll never turn from sin. He'll never live for God until he, first of all, has been born again. 
A Christian is a believer who's been regenerated by the Holy Spirit. Are you a Christian? A Christian is a believer who has placed his faith in Jesus Christ as the only Savior and Lord. How clearly could you get to improve on Acts 16.31? The Philippian jailer said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved and thy house. You're there in the book of Acts, chapter number 16. Look at it. Acts chapter 16. Paul had been preaching along with his compadre in the mission work and had been arrested by the Romans and thrown into prison. And in verse 23 of chapter 16 of Acts, when they had laid many stripes on them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely who having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. And at midnight, you need to encircle that if you don't already have it encircled in your Bible, verse 25, it all begins to happen at midnight. Midnight. Paul and Silas were praying, singing praises to God. The prisoners heard them. An earthquake Begin to rattle the jail cell. The doors were opened. Everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awakened out of his sleep and seeing his prison doors open, drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. Paul cried with a loud voice, said, Don't do yourself any harm. We're all here. And he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling at midnight, don't forget what time it is, at midnight, and fell down before Paul and Silas, brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be a Christian? What must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thy house. Now watch, something happens. They spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night. What time is it, Brother Kozak? Midnight. He took them the same hour of the night. He washed their stripes. He was baptized. He and all his stripes. I've never been to a baptism at midnight before. But that's not all they did. After they did that, and please don't minimize, he washed their stripes as well as was baptized. At midnight, don't forget what time it is. And when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them. In the margin of my Bible, I've got a midnight cookout there. Can you imagine cooking? For these prisoners at midnight being baptized, washing their stripes, and rejoicing, believing in God with all of his house. A Christian is a believer who has faith, placed his faith in Jesus Christ as the only Savior and Lord. 
It is the full confidence and assurance of what Jesus Christ did on the cross in the resurrection garden is sufficient to save him forever. Those who believe in him, it's faith and faith alone without any works or without any effort. We rest in the Lord. We have a couple of sedalias up here. I didn't know that until I graduated from school. We call them chairs back home, covered over, but they're sedalias. And when I come up on this platform and I sit down on that sedalia, I can assure you I'm putting all of my weight completely on that sedalia. I know that when I sit on it, it will hold me, it will support me, it will sustain me. You've got to come to the Lord Jesus Christ and trust him knowing that he will save you and he will sustain you and he'll care for you. It's something that takes place in your life. That's why Christ prefaced it with Nicodemus. You have to be born again first. You have to be born of the Spirit. Are you a Christian? A Christian is a believer who has repented of his sins. There was a time when Dr. Billy Graham made that one of the major points in every message he preached. Repent, repent, repent. And then there came a time Mr. Graham no longer preached that. And he's got a son by the name of Franklin. I hadn't heard a whole lot of repentance coming from Franklin. As a matter of fact, Franklin's getting ready to make a journey uh, into a certain area of our world. And the name of it is God Loves You. God loves you. God loves you. No, wait a minute. Don't get the cart before the horse. A Christian is a believer who has repented of his sins in coming to Christ. Repent means to change directions. Paul said, what wilt thou have me to do? It changed his whole lifestyle. Except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Luke 13, verse 3. Acts chapter 17, verse 30. At the times of this ignorance, God winked at. But now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. You know, the prodigal son who left home, there were two prodigal sons, one that stayed there, stayed home and one that left home. He took with him his inheritance and he wasted it and spent it and wound up in a pigsty, wound up in a pig pen, if you would please, and would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat. And he said, how many servants of my father have bread enough to spare? And I perish with hunger. You know the story. The prodigal son came back to the father. Now, search the scripture. You won't find this. If you search it, you won't find this at all. Let me suggest that when he came back, he pulled two or three shoats. Now, a shoat is a baby pig, okay? He pulled some baby pigs out of his pockets and said, Daddy, I brought these pigs home to you. Daddy wasn't concerned about the pigs. He's concerned about the boy. We don't bring our sins and parade them before the Lord and say, Now, Lord, I I can't help myself. I've got to do these things and you know how weak I am. No, Christians are different people. They don't do things like that. Are you listening to me? 
Christian is a believer who has repented of his sins in coming to Christ. Are you a Christian? A Christian is a believer who has followed Christ in believer's baptism. It is not the act of baptism that saves, but God expects His children to be obedient unto baptism. Paul was saved on the road to Damascus. Now when he said, Lord, what will thou have me to do? Little did he know it was going to be different from that point on. He kept going till he got to Damascus. He finally got there, but it wasn't to persecute Christians anymore. It was to follow the Lord in believers' baptism. I believe Ananias was the pastor of the church, and I believe that Ananias was the one that baptized Paul. I would love to have been there to see Paul baptized. Can you imagine that? Well, why was he baptized? Because he's Christian. Christians are baptized. Christians are baptized. The Philippian jailer was baptized at midnight. Lydia and her household were baptized by the side of the river. Are you a Christian? Are you a Christian? A Christian is a believer who has found a home in the local New Testament church. He's found a home in a local New Testament church. In Acts chapter 2, verse number 47, And the Lord added to the church daily such as were saved. They were saved and added to the church. And that church was the local church at Jerusalem. William Gladstone, Prime Minister of England many, many, many years ago, when he was old, when he was blind, and when he was in a wheelchair, gave the following reasons why he faithfully attended church services. Always you would see the prime minister come into the house of God to attend the services. And he was asked why he was so faithful to his church. He listed three things. Number one, he said, because the Lord commands it. We're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Second of all, he said it sets a good example. And number three, it's a blessing by knowing I'm with God's people on the Lord's day. Three ways. The Lord added to the church daily such as were saved. A Christian has three homes. A Christian has three homes. He has a domestic home, he has a church home, and he has a heavenly home. The preacher that preached that just before he died was standing in the pulpit, and he said, God has given me three homes. He has, I have my domestic home, I have my, uh, my church home here, and just as he spoke, he said, I have my heavenly home He fell dead at the pulpit, demonstrating that he's going to his heavenly home. I'm talking about Christians, not religious people, not denominational figures. I'm talking about a church man, a person who's been saved by the grace of God. 
In Acts chapter 4, verse number 23, Peter and John were released by the Sanhedrin. You remember they didn't like it because they were preaching the resurrection of Christ. And the Sanhedrin arrested them and finally released them. And as soon as they were released, you know where they went? Got to the church as quick as they could get there. You'll find that in Acts 4.23. In Acts chapter 12, 12, pardon me, verses 11 and 12, the only thing that kept Peter out of the church was he's in jail. The church was meeting, having a prayer meeting. Peter wasn't there. reading he wasn't in church was because he was in jail. He'd been locked up by Herod. Next day, Herod was going to kill him. And during the night, the angel of the Lord came into his cell, popped him on the rear end. Yes, sir. And said, Arise, Peter. Wake up. And Peter woke up. And the angel said, Follow me. And he led Peter out of that jail cell. You know, the first place that he went to, it wasn't to the liquor store to get a good stiff drink. No. He went to church where the believers were meeting, praying for him, knocked on the door, and Rhoda came to the door. She said, could I help you? He said, well, I'm Peter. You know me. She said, you can't be Peter. He's in jail. She thought she was talking to a ghost. No, Peter's just trying to get back into church. Are you a Christian? Christians go to church. Now, I know there are times... My dear friend, when you're not going to be here, I know that. There's some things in life you are not able to do at certain times. But I am greatly concerned about the lack of interest on the part of the multitude members of this church who won't come to church. I I don't understand this. I'm beside myself. I have no answer for it whatsoever because Christians go to church. A Christian is a believer who is continually growing in grace. Continually growing in grace. 2 Peter chapter 3 verse number 18 Grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 2, 1 through 2. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings as newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. The only baby that doesn't grow is a stillborn baby, a baby that is born dead. All babies grow and develop. And he's making that application to we who have been saved by the grace of God. We're children of God, but we're constantly growing and developing in God's grace. And one day as we pursue this this journey, my dear friends, of growing from infancy to maturity, we learn so much about how wonderful grace is and how good it is. It's growth. Christian is a believer 
who's continually growing in grace. Are you a Christian? Next time somebody walks up to you and asks you, are you a Christian? Think twice before you answer. But in your heart of hearts, if you know you are, don't be ashamed of it. You say, yes, sir, I am a Christian. And I wouldn't want to be anything other than that. Again, my preacher friend was right when he said if you were tried for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? What is a Christian? Acts 11.26, Acts 26.28, and 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 16. Let's stand, please, for prayer. Dear Father in heaven, we thank